0: Hi, bother brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. Um, we're approaching the end of March, and hopefully for tomorrow, or hopefully like by you know the weekend, I will have a video all about like some actual good news from March that we missed. Um, and like, there's some, but um, you know, I feel like March has still been a pretty terrible month for a lot of reasons. Um, so that upcoming video is going to be very important. But what I want to talk about today is, unfortunately, some very distressing news, particularly climate news, because that seems to have gone the way of the dodo bird, because there's been so much other news happening in the meantime that no one really seems to pay attention much to the climate stories, and we kind of should, and so that's what we're unfortunately going to have to do here today. And we got stories from, unfortunately, every corner of the planet and dealing with just all the problems so um bear with me there is a little bit of like you know a a pinch of hopium at the end and a bit of a call to action so it's not all doom and gloom but i feel like this is important news that people should know about and keep in mind so that we can actually begin to push back against those who will push back against this so with that let's begin South Korean wildfire forces thousands to flee. Around 7,000 firefighters, troops, and public workers were deployed to contain the blaze. So back at the beginning of March, there was a wildfire on the east coast of South Korea that was pretty devastating in a lot of ways. And uh, it also directly threatened a liquid natural gas plant and uh, also a freaking nuclear power plant. So, um... This kind of infrastructure is still at risk with uh, worsening climate crises around the world. So let's keep that in the back of our minds. The other thing was that it actually, like, it came down a mountainside in the seaside town of Uljin. And it spread across more than 14,800 acres to the nearby city of Samchok, destroyed at least 159 homes and 46 other buildings, and prompted the evacuation of more than 6,200 people one wildfire in one corner of south korea managed to do all that but it wasn't really news because a lot of other stuff was happening at that point in time right and like i get that but um it just shows that the climate crisis is a truly global phenomenon and it's affecting everywhere so um let's see where else it's affected great barrier reef suffers widespread coral bleaching Yeah, it turns out Australia's, you know, regal and very world-famous Great Barrier Reef, it's kind of struggling because of coral bleaching in successive periods. They have actually had, uh, I think, something like two years of straight mass bleaching, but the years of 2016, 2017, and 2018, I believe, were really severe. So, um... Yeah, that's an unfortunate problem. That had to some of those had to do with the La Nina effect, but it's still concerning because as ocean temperatures rise and as we have more extreme weather events, it's resulting in more mass bleachings. Now, some parts may be only minorly affected, others it's more severe, but generally speaking, it's nearly been year after year of some kind of severe mass bleaching, and the more frequent that becomes the less that coral has a chance to potentially come back. And coral reefs are where the vast majority of marine biodiversity lies. So that's a serious problem. Breaking simultaneous freakish heat in the Arctic and Antarctic described as impossible and unthinkable by scientists as abrupt climate change accelerates wildly. Yeah, now I know this is one of the ones that some people actually like saw because it was just really horrifying, but we have to kind of tamp down on this one a little bit, and I'll explain with the following tweet. Heat wave in Antarctica, plus 38 degrees Celsius, plus 68 degrees Fahrenheit, above normal. That's not an error or a typo. The remote research station at Dome C recorded a temperature nearly 40 degrees Celsius above normal for this time of the year, beating the previous March record by a startling 20 degrees Celsius. So yes, that's a problem, but that's warmer than average. So the average temperature is like minus 50. So 40 degrees warmer than that, it's minus 10. So still cold, still frozen, but still extremely concerning because both poles are warm at the same time and that should not be happening. The Arctic, somewhat understandable, because, look, it, the, the Earth is tilting, so we're getting more sunlight in the Arctic, so things are warming up. It's becoming summer, which means, naturally, on the flip side, Antarctica should be getting colder. It got warmer. That's the problem. Now, scientists are again saying, you know, listen, this is shocking, and it basically shattered, like, a temperature swing record, but... Uh, but, you know, it could just be an anomaly. They're going to continue paying attention to that in the days and months to come. And if this becomes a repeat occurrence, say, every year or something. So it's concerning, but also not necessarily so concerning that we have to be screaming that the sky is falling with regards to that just yet. Again, however, still super concerning that there were what amounted to heat waves and temperature anomalies on both polar extremes and one where it really didn't make sense for that to happen so yeah okay so we have now had wildfires and then we had coral bleaching and then also temperature anomalies in the arctic maybe we should start looking at some droughts Historic drought looms for 20 million living in Horn of Africa. The climate phenomenon known as La Nina is preventing nourishing rains for the fourth season in a row, putting East Africa on the brink of catastrophe. So, yeah, outside of what are known as the temperate zones where we get those lovely four seasons, most other parts of like the world, specifically the tropics, have two seasons. The dry season and the rainy season so it's really problematic when the rainy season doesn't happen and unfortunately it hasn't happened for four seasons in a row in the horn of africa which depending on your definition includes kenya somalia ethiopia djibouti eritrea and like maybe parts of south sudan sudan If you're, you know, depending on the context of how people decide to define the Horn of Africa. Either way, extremely concerning. By the way, the Ethiopian Civil War is still ongoing. So between that and the various other problems facing Somalia and Ethiopia and food insecurity in general in these areas... Not really a great time for any kind of further conflict and interruptions to the growing season. Oh, and I remind people that because of the war in Russia and Ukraine, wheat prices are going to go up, which also means uh, additional food scarcity and expense in an already impoverished corner of the world. So uh, we are likely to see some pretty unfortunate events coming from the Horn of Africa in the months and year to come. Northern Italy's extreme drought leads to citizens getting fined for wasting water. Oh yeah, we're unfortunately not done with the whole drought story. Unfortunately, we also have news from Italy, particularly Northern Italy, which typically is actually a bit more temperate and has nicer weather and more like reliable humidity and stuff. So what's going on in Northern Italy then? Rainfall in northern Italy is 80% lower than the season average, and this winter has already gone down as the driest in the last 65 years. The Po, the longest river in Italy, is the lowest it has been since 1972. Regions, including Piedmonte, Liguria, Lombardy, and Trentino, have taken on water restrictions like fountains being switched off, nightly restrictions on tap water, and a ban on water used for gardening, washing cars, and filling swimming pools. So that's all pretty extreme, right? But it's also really telling when you hear the following from a local mayor. In a town in Liguria, the water taps are turned off between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. The mayor said it's not something they want to restrict, but they have no choices. There has been little to no rain since October 2020. And yeah, and that's kind of why we have to talk about the Alps for a hot second. Most of northern Italy, and in particular the Po, are fed by a variety of streams and like babbling brooks and whatnot that stem from the snowpack in the Italian Alps because of climate change and shifting weather patterns and of course weather extremes it is meant that the snowpack is less and less which means there's less of it to melt and less of it to fill the various streams resulting in water shortages and again northern italy is the most densely packed region of italy so um that's really concerning that potentially you know if things continue to worsen and things continue to be dried and there's less snowpack in the subsequent years and seasons to come, we're looking at impacting at least 50% of Italy's population. So, not just the Horn of Africa, not just Italy, we also need to talk about uh, some other droughts going on closer to home drought struck california wants to pay farmers to cut plantings yeah so i'm sure like locals in california know about this but lots of people internationally in the rest of america maybe don't it's just been non-stop drought for as long as anyone can remember at this point resulting in terrible wildfires and dipping aquifers like the pictures of which you can freely find online are quite astonishing and also objectively horrifying but it's clearly a sign of the times beyond like the other stories that we've talked about before about like potential water wars and lake mead reservoir d- uh, dropping but it's also extremely concerning that california this state is now actually willing to pay farmers to take a loss in terms of planting because there isn't enough water to go to all the areas that they have like developed and irrigated over the many decades in the past to turn california into this massive agricultural powerhouse Keep that in mind for the next part of this story. But to continue on that like line for a little bit, you also have, unfortunately, in California, uh, water agreements that they have to share with other states. And again, we're going to come back to these two things very shortly. But it's also very telling that this state, which has these agreements, is still being forced to cut planting. So if you're wondering why Biden said, expect uh, food prices and like shortages... It's because of this this is the big thing because of drought they don't have enough water to sufficiently irrigate all the crops so to mitigate the potential losses they are going to try and pay farmers to grow less that's going to result in of course a food shortage and welcome to capitalism baby that means prices go up that's why you're gonna pay more for just about everything at the grocery store. So, now let's talk about the other states that are part of this, like, water agreement and some of what's happening now to really show how absolutely messed up this situation has gotten. Severe drought and mandatory water cuts are pitting communities against each other in Arizona. Arizona is one of the other states that has a water sharing agreement with California and Nevada and, like, possibly, I think, uh, Utah, Colorado, maybe even New Mexico over, like, water and how it's diverted from the Colorado River. However, Arizona is one of the main ones because they have also spent a lot of infrastructure to basically irrigate the desert, for lack of a better term. And because Arizona also became such a destination for retirees, it's seen an explosion in population, but that adds to water stresses. So that brings us to the core of this part of the story with Arizona. Apparently, the water situation is so dire that uh, the city of Scottsdale originally would truck in water to the neighboring community of Rio Verde. Those are ending on January 1st, 2023. Basically by state order because they need to actually keep the water for the citizens of Scottsdale, other communities be damned. So what's happening now is whether it's like a rich or a poor community, various communities are basically, you know, by luck of the draw, being cut off from potential water sources because main cities like Scottsdale have to take care of that, you know, core center first. And of course, there's the Arizonan farms. This has actually led to conflict before with various other states like California about the percentage of water they can actually drain from the Colorado River and the various reservoirs like Lake Mead and like a couple others. I don't really know, don't really care, not really the important part here other than the fact that they are very low and it's resulting in stuff like this. Major drought plaguing 60% of the US expected to worsen this spring. Yeah, so um it's not just California and Arizona, it's actually 60% of the united states in its totality so we're not just talking the lower 48 we're talking like everywhere so from hawaii the various different islands puerto rico and all across from east to west from you know maine all the way down to good old california and everywhere in between 60 percent of the united states is in drought and uh, you can see how severe the different levels of drought are on this map so, the lowest levels are of normally dry and moderate drought. And you can see that those are plaguing like good chunks of the eastern half of the US. But severe drought to extreme drought to exceptional drought are occupying half of the country. And I remind people there's a lot of people who live in that half of the country that is under an extreme drought warning. California is the most populous state. Texas is one of the most populous states. There's a ton of people in Arizona. There's a good chunk of people, like several million, in, of course, Nevada. Colorado's very popular. You have the Pacific Northwest, which is also in clear danger. So um, there's a lot of people and a lot of agricultural areas being impacted by severe drought. And unfortunately, it continues to expand eastward. You can even see some of it in that map that we showed just a second ago. So it's a really concerning problem that it's already this bad and in this many areas, and it may only get worse as the climate continues to worsen. We're talking areas that are traditionally supposed to be more temperate and humid and more or less, you know, for lack of a better term, immune to climate change of this kind, right? In terms of desertification and uh, extreme weather phenomenon. But we're seeing it happen here. Last week's update of the USDM found that 58% of the contiguous United States was in a moderate drought or worse, with 41% of the country experiencing a severe, extreme, or exceptional drought, the three highest categories on the USDM scale measuring the severity of a region's lack of precipitation. 58% of the contiguous United States in some form of severe or worse drought. And yet there are people who still think that this is not an issue worth talking about and modifying our behavior about. And remember that little thing I said about, you know, we thought that like some of these areas, especially in the east and like more humid subtropical regions would be immune to, you know, these kind of worst effects. Well, Amazon rainforest nears tipping point that may see it become Savannah. More than three quarters of the world's largest rainforest has become less resilient to drought since the early 2000s with areas near humans and with lower rainfall being the worst hit. So the world's largest rainforest, which basically acts like a vital break on climate change, has been so affected by our actions and the worsening climate and deforestation, etc. That it could now potentially reach a tipping point and become a savanna and even more easily threatened by the woes of climate change. What the fuck are we doing? What the actual fuck are we doing? These are various stories, all from March, by the way. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go and pull stuff from like years ago. This is all from one month. Planet Earth. Is screaming at us to change our behavior for our own benefit, and we continue. To walk around as if nothing is wrong, that nothing needs to change. Hell, here in Canada, right, we had this new deal with the, the Liberals and the NDP working together and they recently said we're going to spend you know, $9.1 billion on like climate mitigation policies and stuff like that. Meanwhile, they spent like $22 billion on new fighter jets that the own like US military admits have basically been a failure. So yay, good job. Show us where our real priorities are, am I right? And then on top of that, we have a new announcement from the liberals and the NDP saying, we are going to take this seriously, so we're doubling down, we want like a 40% emissions reduction by 2030. And of course, that's made people in Alberta lose their minds. It's like, that's too extreme. We can't do that. Including even the Alberta NDP leader, Rachel Notley, might I add. She and current conservative premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, are basically on the same page of this, where they're saying, whoa, 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 that's a little too fast, too extreme. You know, that's going to hurt people here. And my message to them and to anyone else thinking... This is too extreme. You can't do it. It's it's too costly, too expensive. You'd ruin people's lives and ruin industries. If not now, when? The time for incrementalism was 20 plus years ago, and we did nothing. And we continue to do what is effectively nothing, all while the window to meaningfully address this, which can be addressed closes with every wasted hour of every wasted day if not now when it only means that in the future even more extreme measures would have to be taken which would affect more people and in more negative ways the solution only gets worse the further along this long march to a burning fiery hell we take we have an opportunity to fix things now, or at the very least, we can mitigate the worst of the effects. But people are still pushing against this for selfish, greedy, capitalist, and convenience-based reasons, rather than thinking about what happens to them in the very near future. Because a lot of our leaders, guess what? They're still, you know, probably have a good 10, 20, 30 years of life on them, even if it's in a retirement home. Think of what happens in your dying days if you or your loved ones have to be moved or displaced because of wildfires, floods, greater food insecurity, massive uh, waves of refugees, massive corners of the earth, uninhabitable, changing and ridiculous climate extremes like we saw in Antarctica that we talked about. These problems are happening now, in your lifetime, and they're only going to get worse in your lifetime. So please look at those you love, or at least claim to love, and think about what you're leaving for them. What is there to be gained by further resisting what needed to happen or begin to happen 20 plus years ago? If not now, when? And if we do decide to push this, you know, kick this can further down the road, it's only going to be even more problematic and more difficult and more of a painful struggle in the future. What we need to do now is nationalize the fossil fuel industry and basically have like a staged and managed de-escalation and ramping down of production while going into a green transition. That is the smoothest of options available to us that don't include drastic actions like food fuel water rationing and abandonment of wide-scale portions of the planet and various different communities to you know localize resources and limit when people can you know take a shower or whatever these are things that we would have to do in the future if we don't act now enough with the pushback and the hesitancy, and saying, oh, it can't be done, it's too expensive. This is your planet too, assholes, and I'm tired of you holding back and holding hostage the rest of the planet so you can make your friends in the oil and gas sector a little richer and happier so that you can hold on to power a little bit longer. What is the purpose of power on this planet if there's no planet left to maintain and rule over? It's your livelihood to assholes and the fact that you can't see past your fucking wallets is definitely what's bothering me today.